Welcome to Crossing Darkness, a podcast about the role-playing games set in the world of darkness and other tabletop games as well. We normally broadcast over Twitch every Sunday at 7 p.m. Central Time, but today we are doing our show at 3 p.m. to accommodate today's guest and are open to answering questions from chat during the show. Um, This is episode 3, or I'm sorry, season 3, episode 7, Interview with Jakob. I'm Frozen, or I'm your host, Frozen Fallout. My co-host is Motorori, who helped me create this podcast, as well as a 40-person, four-table Gen Con event. How's it going, Moto? Uh, pretty good. Uh, it's a lazy Sunday afternoon in uh, Wisconsin here, and uh, just getting mentally ready to go shovel my driveway, because we got like seven inches of snow last night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was a huge snowstorm here. That was crazy. Um, So if you want to go ahead and uh, introduce our guest here. All right, so uh, I'm introducing the guest because uh, apparently Josh can't pronounce his name. Uh, How's it going, (laughs) Jakob Klunder? It is going very well, thank you very much. And uh, thank you for for trying to pronounce my name. I know it's not uh, all that easy. for for people who don't uh, who don't know the language, um, I'm I'm cool. Um, glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's uh, so you've you've done a lot of work with uh, the world of darkness. Uh, when was when did you start uh, getting involved in like the world of darkness? Um, we are going back quite a while. We're going back to before the millennium. Uh, yes, I am that old. Um, I was very active on the on the old white wolf forums and um, talk to a lot of people, including a guy by the name of Matthew McFarland, who got hired by white wolf uh, to write for them. And he did a book that I really liked, which explored some of the, um, some of the uh, paths of enlightenment. Um, and I was a huge fan of, of path of the scorched heart and the true Bruja. Uh, they're my favorite bloodline. And when he wrote that, I, I sent him some stuff that I'd written about it, just, you know, to, to show my perspective. And he said that uh, he'd been um, he'd been tasked with working on the new edition of Dark Ages. And he thought I should actually officially apply to write for them. And so I did. And apparently he liked what, uh, what I wrote because he hired me. And so I, I started writing for Dark Ages. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah, I was uh, I was quite happy. <laughs> I know that was back in just after two thousand. Well, that was just before two thousand, I think, wasn't it? Okay. So just around the 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 millennium. I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure uh, when because uh, it is it is uh, so long ago. I'm and I'm old and can't remember things. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling every time that we try and remember anything about our beginnings of our. Um, Gen Con event, we always are like, it, you know, we forget what year it started in, and that was only like five years ago. Like, yeah, so. it's five years ago. <laughs> uh, how many uh, books did you uh, end up writing on? How, how long did you uh, work on those? Um, I managed to work officially on three Dark Ages books um, Ride of Princes, High Clans, and Low Clans. And then two books for modern um, Vampire the Masquerade, um, Ventrue Chronicles. 
and the red sign. And then I came back and I did a bit of work for Onyx Path. Uh, I wrote on Changing Ways for um, Werewolf and the Canine Conspiracies, the collection of short stories for Dark Ages. Wow, <laughs> that's an unbelievable uh, portfolio. That's epic. Um, so did you, did, so were you involved in just writing like a section in a lot of these or were you involved in the overall design or what were like? Uh, no, that was, that was only sections. Um, I got, uh, assigned a, a specific, uh, chapter or section of a chapter and a word count for that. So for example, for, um, for high clans, what I got was, uh, the chapter on bloodlines and then the section on high level disciplines. And I was given a word count for that. And and um, then I was, of course, given freedom within uh, that to, uh, to, to to write what I wanted and develop that. But I was never I was never in on the whole um, either pitching books, developing books or or anything like that. OK. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So um... So you're currently doing a lot of stuff with uh, with Storytellers Vault, and um, and you got a podcast that you you started as well, the um, uh, World of um, Dark Ages. Yeah, World of Dark Ages podcast, um, which is unsurprisingly about um, Dark Ages, specifically uh, the entire Dark Ages line. Me and my co-host uh, Peter, we are going through every single. Dark Ages book, starting with uh, the first vampire, the Dark Ages core book, and ending with the last book published for uh, Dark Ages 20th anniversary, and looking at each book both as we're, we're both um, amateur uh, historians, really interested, especially in, in medieval history, and we're both gamers and have played a lot of, of uh, Dark Ages games. So we're looking at it both as historians and as gamers, uh, talking about it and giving some, uh, hopefully, some interesting insights into uh, into um, medieval history in general. Yeah, that's something that I've always found to be really uh, like awesome about the world of darkness is how steeped in history it is, um, and it just is um, one of the games that it is really found to be like you could learn a lot about history just by playing this game. Yeah, um, especially once you get into some of the uh, the later books, things like um, Three Pillars, Liege Lord and Lackey, uh, some of those books where they where they actually start describing medieval society, and also the setting books. I mean, we it is it hasn't come out yet, but we just uh, recorded um, Jerusalem by Night, and the history section on Jerusalem is amazing. You really get a a great idea of the history of this very, very important city. What's what's some of the um, things that you could highlight for us that would be something that um, that you kind of got from from that? Uh, from from Jerusalem. Yep. Look. Um. Oh, let's see if I can remember. Well, it's it's, it's basically like the the. Um, uh, I I learned so much about the uh, the history of what 
you have to say is one of the most important cities in uh, Western and Middle Eastern history. Um, and one thing that I learned a lot about that I didn't know that much about was uh, the Jewish history of Jerusalem and um, the, the fall of the temples and a lot of things that I could then relate to uh, how Judaism is, is today uh, because of, of the things that, that happened there. Um, so it, it gave a, a really cool insight. I already knew a lot about Jerusalem and the area during the time of the Crusades, uh, both because it's a subject that interests me, but also because of a lot of research that I've been doing. But history before that, um, it, uh, it, it taught me a lot. And I always love learning uh, about world history. Um, so, so I enjoy reading historical game books, not only as game books, but also because they usually include some fascinating points about about history that, that you oftentimes don't get when you just read history books, because obviously game books wanna wanna focus on on the fun things that give you inspiration for for things that you can use in your game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it gives you it gives you a different way of kinda of, it's it's kind of like um, you know, the way that uh, TV and stuff kind of gives you like different kind of viewpoints on um, on history, and this kind of can give you, you know, an even, you know, a different kind of point of view where you get to actually play in the history itself. Yeah, that's that's the reason why I love Dark Ages. Dark Ages is a um, is a way for me to uh, to dive into a historical period that I find really interesting, that I really love. And to uh, to play with that and uh, and experience that from the safety of my uh, my own gaming table. So, are you currently playing any Dark Ages games? I am. Yes, I am. I'm running one and I'm playing one. I'm I'm play testing a book that I'm writing for uh, Storytellers Vault called Fall of Accra, which unsurprisingly is about the fall of the city of Accra, and and with that the entire Crusader states, um, which yeah it's. Uh, um, a chronicle book set over four scenarios and I was just about to finish it and then this whole COVID thing happened so we're still we still haven't gotten the final scenario done and it's it's an it's a fun it's a fun game and then I'm a player in a very famous and for some people infamous chronicle that uh, White Wolf put out called Transylvania Chronicles which takes place from 1198 up until the early 2000s uh it's the second time i'm i'm playing it and it's uh, as much fun the second time around it's it's um it's a great chronicle but according to my storyteller it it does need some work uh on the on the sort of individual scenarios in the books yeah we were talking about this a little bit before the show started and uh yeah it sounded like there was uh um an instance where um, they they talked about aspects and they um, they they had a, somebody you know spying on on the the group and they even mentioned that if if they don't like being spied on that they should have aspects but then they yeah don't but they explain. don't mention what happens if <laughs> if if you do have aspects and that's as one one of a number of situations where you're just thinking it seems like like whoever wrote it didn't one hundred percent think things through and it also suffers from something that a lot of of scenarios written around this time not just um for uh, by white wolf but by a lot of gaming companies 
um, it, it suffers from uh, bystander syndrome, where sometimes the player characters are just bystanders while the non-player characters are doing uh, the cool stuff. And, and that's always something that you want to avoid. Yeah, and especially, um, is that something that happens more at the beginning of it, or is that something that is kind of consistent throughout? Because I would, I feel like that would be something that maybe would happen a lot with neonates, but with a with a long term chronicle like that, when you become elders, um, that you would it's, be the ones doing it's a, all the playing. It's a bigger problem in the beginning, but um, throughout the chronicle, um, I'm assuming that everyone who who knows uh, their World of Darkness knows of, of the Malkavian Anatole. And um, he pops up every once in a while. And it, it got to the point where whenever we the, the, um, the game involved some kind of big gathering, someone was hosting an Elysium or we were invited to something, uh, we draw lots uh, about which one of us would be an Anatole duty. And that was the person whose job it was to go up to Anatole, record everything he spouted, um, because we knew that that this would be important later, so that the rest of us could actually get on with with doing something. Because we couldn't get around the fact that in this game, Anatole had to spout prophecy at us. And from from time to time, there was something useful. But there were there were talks about turning Anatole into um, a duct tape mummy and uh, putting him in a basement somewhere because we got really tired of that guy. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I can see that being kind of uh, irritating, where it's just him just spouting <laughs> prophecy all the time, ruining things. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, I mean, our um, our game master, our storyteller, she she she's done an amazing job both first time and this time around. But um, it it's something that needs work, and it's. I mean, it's something that that I always keep in the back of my mind when I write um, when I write scenarios, when I write chronicles is. Um, how do I avoid the things that I found annoying in things that, that I have played, um, the officially written scenarios that I have played? How can I avoid those situations ha uh, happening? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the big question, isn't it? Like, how do you actually write yeah. good, good stuff? It's hard. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, like... You want to include situations where you know you can move the game along and where the um, where the characters can get the information that they need. So it's it's always it's always walking a, a tightrope, and um, you know it won't. I, I have one scenario up on uh, the storyteller's vault called um, New Blood, where uh, where I hope I've I've done a good job, and hopefully. It won't be long before Fall of Akka comes out, and then people can uh, can look at that and judge whether I I've done a, a good job or not <laughs> in uh, in writing a scenario where where there's not too much bystander syndrome. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. I'm definitely gonna have to check that out once it's uh, once it's out on Storyteller's Vault for sure. Um, definitely, sh uh, once it does come out, shoot us a, a link of that too. We'll. Um, we'll do a review. Bob, um, if you yeah, if you want, um, once it's done, I can I can send you a, a review copy because my plan is I, I generally haven't done much in the way of um, promoting my stuff, uh, the the stuff that I put on the vaults uh, the first time around. 
Uh, but I had a, I've had a pretty long break. Um, been working on on Fall of Akka and a couple of other scenario books, and I wanna I wanna try to get into to more promotions. So basically, sending out advanced review copies and uh, and things like that. See how that goes. Because I mean, there are people on the vault who actually make a living doing stuff both on the vault and other third party uh, platforms like what's it called, Dungeon Master Guild, I think. Um, for me, yeah, for me, it's just a hobby. So it's not like I need to to make any money on what I'm writing in order to survive. For me, I, I write for the fun of it, and the money's just nice. I can spend that on um, weapons and uh, and gaming books and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, what what is it like uh, being part of the uh, do like doing the story? Because I've been interested myself in getting involved in in writing using the storyteller's vault. Um, but it, it seems intimidating in the, the, the sense of building the PDF for it. Um, is there any kind of tips or tricks that you have for, for creating the, the PDF for, um, for the, the book yeah. itself? Like if I have a lot of the, the actual material that I want to throw into it, how do I go about building an actual book? Uh, in, in my case, um, I just write it down in a Word document, spend a lot of time uh, bitching about the fact that Word is is not uh, the, the right program for um, actually layouting and editing. Consider whether I should learn InDesign, decide I'm not going to um, bother learning InDesign, and publish a PDF that is um, not exactly as well edited as it might have been, but hoping that the content makes up for the poor editing. Um, but once again, that's because I I'm I'm not someone who's who's trying to uh, to be you know um, making a lot of money off of this. People who who want, who are making a living off it, they produce some incredibly slick, um, very professional books. So. In the end, I think what you have to do is you have to think, do you want to pr uh, produce something where you put a, f uh, a relatively low price on it because you know that that you're focusing on content uh, and not so much on editing? Or do you want to put together a really, really well-produced um, product where you can then charge a higher price, uh, but then you will need things like you know learning InDesign and possibly even shelling out for a professional copy editor uh, as we talked about before the the, um, the game start uh, the stream started um, maybe even looking into hiring a professional artist to get some original art for your books things like that but in the end I think because there this is a, a third party platform provider whatever in the end you know just try to put something together try to put it out there and invite uh, comments and criticism because you can only learn and you can always do a second edition of what you've put out uh, where you polish everything up. Yeah, definitely. That's uh, and that's something that uh, and they do give you like some stock art and stuff like that for um, for what yeah, you're, bunch what of you're bunch of art packs. One of the one of the things I spend a lot of time doing when I'm putting together these books is. Uh, scrolling through all the stock art, just trying to find an appropriate picture to put in. Um, so I, I, I 
the only like original art I use is um, uh, for some of my covers, I've used photographs and then had a very good friend of mine um, do some editing uh, on those. And uh, the cover of uh, Denmark by Night, a friend of mine who's an amazing artist, he actually, he did that pro bono. Uh, he's a fellow Dane just because he thought it would be cool to uh, to do the cover for Denmark by Night. Um, and my plan is, uh, I don't know if he's actually listening to this. If he is, he will, he, this is the first time he'll hear of it, but my plan is to, um, I'm, I'm writing, uh, a book, uh, called Denmark Chronicles, which is a chronicle taking place in my Denmark by night setting. And I want to hire him and actually pay him to do the cover for that one as well. Awesome. Still there, Josh? Yep. Yeah, I was just about to say, I, if, if you're saying something, I can't hear you. Nope, sorry. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's really awesome, dude. That's uh, Yeah, art is one of the things that I find to be really hard to, um, you know, because I, I personally am not good at art. Um, so it's hard to come by, um, you know, good art to... Um, you know, really work with and you really need to pay. And anybody that says that, you know, people that are artists should work for free are crazy because it's such a huge skill and so important and needed. I, I'm, I, I'm blown away by the concepts of anybody that is good at art. Like I just, I am horrible at it. There's nothing that I could do to it. I am more than willing to, to pay out for good art. Like, which you have. Yeah. <laughs> that's I mean that's the picture that we've got up on our stream. Well, yeah, yep, and yeah, I paid for for yeah, that uh other stuff. little werewolf. Yeah, which reminds me at, at some point I need to uh, I need to pay someone to to do a uh, a better logo for our podcast because right now it's just something that I slapped together when when we were when we were doing it. So by by the second season of our podcast I, I want to have a um I want to have a, a logo and I I have an idea of what I wanted to include so I just need someone to do it for me. Yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of websites out there and I'm sure Josh can uh, tell you all about them. Uh, you you yeah. say your your second season of your your podcast, so you, you intend to go forward after you finish all the uh, Dark Ages Dark Ages books. Well, basically. I, I'm thinking that the first season is uh, the original Vampire, the Dark Ages. Second season is Dark Ages Vampire, and uh, that line, Werewolf, uh, Mage, and uh, then third season is is going to be very short because that's just going to be 20th Anniversary Edition. And from there, I mean, that's... that's I'm thinking with the amount of books that have been made uh, years uh, ahead, but... Uh, Peter and I, Peter, my my co-host, we we haven't really talked about what we want to do after that, but um, there is still um, a Victorian Age vampire that we could take a look at. There's Werewolf the Wild West, uh, an amazing setting. Uh, played one of of my all-time favorite games in that one, um, uh, which we might want to take a look at. There are Dark Ages books on the Vault. Um, most of them mine, but there are some that aren't mine. <laughs> That we could uh, that we could take a look at. So uh, we we want to keep it going as as long as we think it's fun and we think that people are listening. 
that's yeah, awesome. I mean, that's kind of the uh, the idea we have here. We're just going to keep going until we decide to stop. <laughs> um, yeah, as as long as as long as we have as long as we have ideas um, for for our side quests, and as long as we have. Um, Books that we could can look at at a in a historical perspective, then uh, then we're going to to go on, and who knows? Maybe there'll there'll be a new edition of of Dark Ages uh, coming along at some point, and then we can then we can look at that. Yeah. So you you're definitely you know your your area is World of Darkness games in historical settings, and uh, yeah. Um, well. N- not not wraith. Uh, I've never been a wraith player, but the other games, yeah, that's 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 my thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm just curious: is there an era in history or a region that you think World of Darkness should have done a game line for? Like, is there um... is there one that you wish existed right now, or does it already exist in Dark Ages? <sighs> Um, well, when when I look at my my favorite periods, uh, you've got uh, the Viking Age that's covered by Wolves of the Sea, which we are very soon getting to. Uh, that's going to be a rather interesting podcast since we're both Scandinavians and uh, history nerds. Um, you've got the uh, the High Middle Ages. Um, you can shade that into the Late Middle Ages without any problem. Victorian Age is a time that I love. So, and then you have Mage Sorcerer's Crusade covers uh the early renaissance really well so the only thing that i think uh could be interesting and they did that in requiem is uh is like rome uh requiem uh for rome uh they had the um, chronicle that covered uh really towards the end the fall of the roman empire i think it could be interesting to focus on Sort of either either the Roman Republic or the height of the the Roman Empire, the time of the five good emperors, that could be interesting. And um, I have a weakness for the time around the Thirty Years' War. I think that's that's really really interesting. Um, but I don't know if that's go- necessarily going to be an interesting time to play Vampire the Masquerade um or any other of the of the dark ages games if anything i think wraith would be perfect for that because so many people died but that's that's just because i i i like the 30 years war that's that's one of the periods that i'm interested in and go ahead and enlighten the uh stupid american people who don't know what the 30 years war is so the 30 years war was until world war one the bloodiest war ever fought in uh in um in Germany, I think it was something like a quarter of the German population that ended up dying either uh, in the war or as a result of the war. Uh, it was from 1618 to 1648, if I recall correctly, and it started with a couple of papal legates getting chucked out of a window in a castle in Prague, the well-known defenestration of Prague, defenestration. and then it ended up, yeah, and it ended up it was a war between the Catholics and uh, and the Protestants. Um, and the Danish king briefly got involved, got his ass kicked, got sent back to Denmark, and then the most famous Swedish king ever, uh, Gustav II Adolf, or Gustavus Adolphus, got involved and started kicking ass and taking names. It's a really fascinating period. If you want to, um, if you want to learn more about it, uh, one a book that I will um, recommend 
is six. What's it called? Is it 1628? Ah, oh, 1632. Oh, now I want to look that up. But um, an American author by the name of of um, of Eric Flint. Oh, is it 1632? Yeah, 1632 by Eric Flint. Um, check that one out. Uh, because not only do you get a lot of cool information about the Thirty Years' War, but you get it from the point of view of modern Americans. And I'll say no more, but <laughs> I can highly recommend that book. <laughs> you know what's crazy? I think I have that book somewhere. I think it was given to me for free at Gen Con a couple of years ago. Well, the, it's a Bane book, and Bane will just throw free books at you. Uh, so, so most likely, yeah, Bane are are yeah. well known for throwing free books at you. Oh, you found it! I, I, I can see it. It's over on the shelf there. Eric Flint, sixteen thirty-two. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Well worth a read. Coincidence. I'll have to, I'll have to look at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, thirty years worth, it, and it sounds like there's enough stuff happening that you could probably write uh, a chronicle for. You know a, a lot of the various well, different world of darkness well that mythoses. that brings to mind though do, do they have a wraith dark ages book no wraith is uh the only game line only core game line they never did a uh, um dark ages book for um there are talk on the storytellers vault of someone putting together a dark ages wraith book i think the reason they did it, i don't know that much about wraith but i'm thinking one of the reasons they did it is because Wraith wouldn't be all that different in the Dark Ages time frame, but I don't know enough about Wraith to talk about that. Um, but yeah, they did they did Dark Ages Vampire, Werewolf, um, Mage, um, Inquisitor, and then they did Dark Ages Fae, which is the Dark Ages version of Changeling, which is my second most favorite Dark Ages line. I love Dark Ages Fae. Interesting. Yeah, that's so because I because there's 19 because they did World War One, I, I think, for Wraith and then yeah, Wraith the Great War. Um, and 1962 or 19 uh, sorry, 1632. Yeah, I'm horrible with numbers, as you can tell. Uh, <laughs> uh, 1632 sounds like a perfect time period for for a Wraith thing to be because they've kind of based it on like periods of great death, you know, that they tried to. Yeah, and a lot of people died. Like they, when they sacked Magdeburg, it was it was in the tens of thousand people that that died there, if I recall correctly. Um, so, so yeah, that was a time of of mass death. So, uh, if if anybody here's uh, anybody who's listening is a a wraith um, fan and writer, um, you know, set set something wraith thirty years war, um, and if if you want to. Uh, to get some info on on the history, you can hit me up for it. I'm always I'm always up for talking about uh, about the Thirty Years' War. Well, we're actually starting a, a project on Wraith. Uh, we were going to do a game, but this might be an interesting side project as well. Uh, no <laughs> no promises, yeah, of course. We got a lot on our plate right now, but this is uh, yeah, I'm currently this is a very interesting to... opening. I feel like that you know needs to be filled, and if if somebody doesn't beat me to it, I might do it myself. <laughs> look look into the. So. Yeah, look into the sack of Magdeburg if you want. If you want a great slaughter, that was that was a terrible uh, that was a terrible event. Hmm. Oh, that's awesome! Cool. Yeah. The other thing about wraith that I think is interesting is that because wraiths are kind of immortal to a to an extent, 
you know, whenever you die, let's say if you died in the one of the mass deaths of the Thirty Years' War, the people mm. in power uh, that you're showing up in the the Shadowlands with, the the people who are currently in power in the Shadowlands, they could be from two hundred years ago. And yeah, so, I mean, like, there there's cultures like they don't give a shit about current culture. They might give <laughs> like more of a they might care more about the culture that existed and the, the hierarchies that existed 200 years previous. Uh, yeah, and that's one of the things that I really like about, about vampire is the whole um, vampires, you know, they, they don't age, they can be from a very long time ago, so you can get uh, you can get a mix of people from, from different time periods um, mixing together, which I, I find interesting. It's, it's one of the things that I like playing in in various uh, games, tabletop and LARP, playing characters who are a bit out of their time and and trying to figure out how their the, the the culture and mores and morale and whatever when they were, when they were mortals and when when they were being formed how how does that work when they hit uh, modern times? That's always a fun thing to uh, to play with. Yeah, I really, I really yeah. liked the the concept of playing really old characters. Um, like whenever I played in LARPs and stuff like that, even if I had to still play a neonate, I'd be like, "Well, can I still be from Rome? Like, <laughs> uh, I'll be, I'll, I'll just be asleep during the entire time. Like, so I don't have all the experience and stuff. So, I've, you know, I don't need to play a really, I don't want to play a really powerful character, but I'd really love to play a character that's from Rome. And then I get to come and tell everybody that what they're talking about is not Rome. Like, because even, you know, <laughs> even in vampire, uh, in modern age, you're not going to run into a thousand, two thousand year old vampire usually, you know, unless there's, you know, altering circumstances such as like with my characters would be like, I would be in torpor for most of that period of time and be one of those like deep sleeper torpor type characters that just sleeps off hundreds of years at a time, wakes up for a day, checks it out, goes, nope, this isn't what I'm here for yet. I'm going to go back. You know, I like to play the Malkavian prophet type characters so i always i always have duct a lot of tape fun. mommy <laughs> you will end up as a duct tape mommy trust me <laughs> no like one one thing one one dream that uh i i don't know if i'm ever going to be able to do it but a, a dream scenario of mine would be uh to go to a vampire larp in america as a uh an older vampire from uh denmark from some period in Danish history. Obviously, the Viking Age would be the best if I could do that and just show up and and using my knowledge of, of Danish history and and culture and, and play that character. I've I've done I've done something slightly similar and it was a lot of fun. I, I was at um, Dragon Con one year playing uh, LARP um, Dragon Con in Atlanta. For those of you who don't know, amazing convention, but not much of a role-playing convention. But still, there was a, a LARP there, which was set during World War II. And so I played a Danish sailor who had been stranded in... It took place in uh, in England, who had been stranded in England when the Nazis invaded Germany. Uh, so I got to actually play a Danish uh, person uh, among non-Danes. Uh, so, so it was... because. You know, if, if if we have a game where we're playing in Denmark and we say, okay, uh, this game is set in America, then every all the other players are still Danish. So they, they, they know 
how Danes are, but but in this case, I got to play a Dane amongst Americans, which was kind of fun, though. In the end, it ended up uh, killing my characters because, character because suddenly there were there were German paratroopers, and uh, my I said that my character's character was from the south of Denmark, which meant obviously he spoke German. So he started speaking German to the paratroopers in order to survive. And one of the other player characters uh, recognized that I was speaking German and shot me. Oh, no. <laughs> well, it was it was the end of the game, and we just thought it was the perfect ending. I'd survived everything else. It was a, a Cthulhu scenario. I'd survived everything else, and then I get shut down by one of the other players. That was just that was the perfect ending to that. Yeah, sometimes it's about the story and not about... Uh, I mean, a lot of this is about... It's all about the story. And one-shots, I think, really give you that ability to do and have epic things kind of happen to you like that. Yeah, it's it's become yeah. the sort of... Um, the the, um, uh, the motto of um, of what's called Nordic-style LARP. Uh, a lot of people about are talking about play to lose, which I don't like that terminology, but the idea is don't play to win be aware that losing can be just as much fun as long as you're having a, a really cool dramatic game. I mean, you you win the game not by your character achieving all their goals, but by everyone, including yourself, having an enjoyable time. And that's really, I mean, that, that's that's my, my motto also when it comes to role-playing is everyone should have an enjoyable time. We get together for X amount of hours. If afterwards people say, you know what? I could have spent that time better watching a movie. Then you failed. If everybody goes, you know what? This was a good use of my time. Then you've succeeded, no matter whether or not your character met their goals. Absolutely. And yeah, I, th I think that that's something that uh, is something that really translates well into how you should look at LARP personally um, is one of those, like if you're going to go into LARP and you're in your, all you want to do is fulfill your character's goals and and dominate the game type of thing. You're, I feel like your energies are better spent on trying to be involved in and create an epic story and not not necessarily being a you know as a player being 100% driven behind success for your character. Yeah, the thing is, um, you can have, I think, or at least I can have just as much fun epically failing as you know having uh, epically succeeding because for me it's all about th the stories you tell after the game if you after the game can tell a great story and then this happened and i just got completely wiped out that can be just as much fun as as telling a story of how you won um not everybody feels that way, but I think in a LARP situation, you have to remember in tabletop, you're sitting together with two, three, four, five other uh, players. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to please everyone. In a right. LARP situation, depending on the size of the LARP, like the biggest one I've been to was, I think, about 200 people or so. You kind of want everyone to have a good experience, especially considering how much money we spend on that one. Have you gone to any of the castle like LARPs? Yep, that was one of them. That was the first convention of Thorns LARP in um, Poland um, in... Is that five years ago or something like that? Um, can't quite remember. But yeah, that was... That, that was mind-blowing. Like, an actual, honest-to-God castle. You have 
I think around 200 players, everyone, obviously because you spent quite a bit of money to attend it, everyone in amazing costumes. Uh, the Tsimish and the um, Nosferatu in awesome, awesome uh, prosthetics, amazing props and everything. I am I am so looking forward to going back there once the once it starts back up because that was that was the second greatest LARP experience I have ever had and I'm never going to forget it. Yeah, I I really want to to go to one of these. How, is it do you, do you feel that it's uh prohibit prohibitively expensive to go to one of these? I mean if if you have to include like a plane ticket as well, I guess over there. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. Like, um, I got together with a bunch of other Danes, and we rented a car and drove down there. So uh, we were eight or nine people. We rented a fairly big car, so we shared we shared uh, the car rental. So for us, that that wasn't really that bad. But I can imagine if you want to fly over from uh, from the U.S. Um, and uh, at the same time, I mean, if, if if you're flying from the U.S. to Europe, you probably want to spend a bit more time. So you're also going to have to uh, to budget with spending a bit more time either in Poland or wherever you want to go, because it it, it would be kind of cheap just to uh, just to go for um, for a LARP. So right, yeah. they, I've heard it referred to as um, holiday LARPs, which is basically instead of going on holiday, you go to this LARP. And when you look at it that way, it, it costs about the same as going on holiday, really. Interesting. Yeah, I'm going to have to take a look into that because I've always wanted to see, you know, and be involved in one of the, like, super epic uh, LARPs. The most that I've done is uh, um, Gen Con. There were, uh, I want to say, maybe, like, 50 people maximum ah. that were um, involved. And we had, like, all the World of Darkness involved in it. But to see something like the, the, uh, the Convention of Thorns, like, would just be... With you said there was like two hundred people there, I think it was something like that. Uh, in the end, I'm not a hundred percent sure because I didn't obviously interact with everyone. But but there was a lot of people. If you go online and you um and you look up, um, if you just write Convention of Thorns or COT LARP, uh, and look at pictures, you'll see just how many people there were, what costumes they were wearing, and um. Uh, props and the location and everything like uh, I mean we had our pictures taken in front of this mind-blowingly gorgeous fireplace by a professional photographer those are still some of my absolute favorite pictures of of me ever um, it was it, I, I can highly recommend to anyone who is uh, who's into LARP um, and who want a great experience you know check out if um, Convention of Thorns LARP returns Try that out. Um, on the other hand, one thing I would love to to try is um, a LARP in the U.S. called the Night in Question, which is uh, a Sabbath LARP. Um, I could, I, yeah. So, um, I mean, have, have either of you been there, or do you what do you know about it? Because I only know what I read uh, on Facebook from people who've been there, or, or some of the the people who are doing the LARP that I that I know, and I really want to go at some point. Yeah, I want to say they've. They've either only done it once or possibly twice. Uh, and I is think that... they've done it twice. Or either they've done it twice or they were going to do it twice and then COVID happened. Yeah, that might be it. Um, is that high-level games with Josh Heath or is, am, am I yes. thinking wrong? No, 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 it's not high-level games. It's, um, uh, what's it? Why can't I remember what it's called? 
It's um no oh, brain fart. I I can't remember what it's called. Um, uh, jackalope. Jackalope. That's right. I kept wanting it to be um uh wow. My 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 mind isn't working at all. But yeah, it's it's jackalope games. Yeah. Um. So. I, I I would love to go to that, but uh, every time I look at going to uh, to the U.S. for something, um, there's always Dragon Con, <laughs> and and I can only uh, time and money I can only afford to do one big thing in in America. It's the same reason why I've never been to Gen Con. It's like I could go to Gen Con, but there's also Dragon Con, and I really love Dragon Con. Yeah. Uh, so so I just looked it up. Uh, they do have it scheduled for September 11th, 2021. Wow. Great date, September oh, ow. September 11th. That you know what that might be intentional because it's a Sabat game. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> but but yeah, it's. I mean, if 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 I ever become like really rich, I'm I'm just gonna go to uh, to all the LARPs and all the conventions and and not worry about time or money. But so that's that's our chance, goal. Chance like with everything yeah, that we're, we're doing here, that. is that if we could just base our life around gaming and 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 make enough that we're we i, I want to i don't want to be rich i want to be powerful i just want to go to all the conventions and, and yeah and that's that's my life yeah, it's going to conventions it, hanging out with cool people like you and running you know games and and just playing games all my life that would be that's yeah i'm just yeah. i'm gonna put it out there I have a podcast. If anyone wants to sponsor me to go to a LARP, I will promote it. I will review it. I will talk about it uh, on the podcast. Uh, no problem whatsoever. I am down for that. Well, how, how so. much does it cost to get you into America? Uh, oh, it's been so long since I... No, wait. It's not been that long since I was last there. Um... Uh, I generally, when when I went to Dragon Con, I basically said uh, a month. I, I budget a month's wages on that, um, but uh, wow. that that's that's including hotel, flight, and everything. So last time I was I was in the U.S. I was in New York, and I think a a round trip was just around a thousand dollars in in Danish. But then you also have to remember that in general in Denmark we make more money than you do in America. Mm -hmm. um, so so it's not a, a direct you can't directly translate that. But it it was something like that if I recall correctly. That's not too so bad. So something around no it's 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 I think it's it's pretty good. I mean like like I said it was I think it was around a round trip was somewhere around six thousand Danish, which is a third of what I make in a month. And I don't work full time, and I work in a rather low-paying job. So, that to put it into context. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I would love to. Uh, one of the things that I definitely want to do with uh, with what I'm doing here is try and create a community of just people hanging out together and and going to conve conventions and and seeing each other. So if you go to DragonCon consistently. Definitely. I we'll did. Have to, um, uh, I don't do that, that anymore. Yeah, I, I I used to go to Dragon Con every year, uh, and then it was sort of yeah, but it's two weeks vacation I have to spend. My wife doesn't like going, so uh, so it's two weeks away from my wife. It's quite a bit of money, 
and there are these LARPs coming up. So instead, I, I started spending my time and money uh, budgeting on going to these big castle LARPs in Poland. And then I managed one of them. And then when I was ready to go to two in one year, the company that made the LARPs went belly up. And then another company brought back Convention of Thorns. And that was supposed to run in 2020. Ooh. Yay. <laughs> yeah, I do remember seeing stuff for Conventions of Thorns for 2020 before the pandemic hit. And uh, I, I got really lucky with, with a wife that loves to go to Gen Con. So, like, that's our yearly, um, you know, vacation that we always uh, make yeah. sure that we try to go to. Um, and, and unfortunately, I don't know if it's going to happen this year uh, or not no. at this point. At this point, yeah, see, even I, if it oh. happen, we're probably not going to go just because yeah. it might not be safe. I've always thought, you know, I'm a gamer more than anything else. I should go to Gen Con. I really should. But the first and only American convention I ever went to was Dragon Con. And now I have a bunch of people I know go to Dragon Con. Uh, my favorite band plays at Dragon Con. And it's just, it's it's become like, if, if I go to the US, I'm doing Dragon Con, I'm doing cosplay and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, no. It, yeah. Well, if uh, you do make it back to America uh, for Dragon Con, definitely let us know. I will. I will. Uh, my plan is to go in twenty-two or twenty-three for one last hurrah. I promised myself before I turn fifty, I'm going back to Dragon Con one last time. Uh, what What's that band that plays at Dragon Con? And then also, how would you describe Dragon Con? Because I've I've heard people talk about it, but I've, I'm not entirely <laughs> sure. Okay, so the band that plays at Dragon Con, Con uh, I call them the Crew Shadows. Uh, the lead singers uh, pronounce it Crew Shadows. Uh, C-R-U-Omlaut, like my last name. Uh, but that's a heavy metal omlaut, so it doesn't actually change the sound of the U. But C-R-U-X Shadows. Uh, they are a dark wave band. And if you don't know what dark wave is, just think of them as a goth band. Um, and they play every year at Dragon Con. Uh, and they pack a huge... And they are an amazing band to see live. Um, they're also, I, I mean, I like, obviously, since they're one of my favorite bands, I like their music, uh, listening to the music when it's not live, but seeing them live is an amazing experience. Um, so they're really cool. As for describing Dragon Con, well, the thing is, like, <laughs> I don't have anything to, um, to compare it to because I haven't been to any other American conventions, but Dragon Con is a science fiction, fantasy, and pop culture convention that is not run like um, the big comic cons are. It's not uh, run by uh, any industry or anything. It is um, it's more fan run. So you're not going to get like the huge, newest, biggest stars and the big premieres and the big um, trailers. But uh, on the other hand, they put in pretty much anything you want. I was talking to a guy who was involved with it at one point. And he said, well, we have wrestling here. And the reason we have wrestling is because at one point, uh, some of the people who went to Dragon Con said, it could be fun if we had wrestling. And then they went, okay, we're going to reach out and contact some wrestlers and see if they want to put on a show. So they did. Also, it takes place in hotels. So Dragon Con never closes. From what I understand, yeah. things like Gen Con takes place in a convention center that closes. Is that right? 
Well, I mean, it actually doesn't close, but a lot of stuff just stops happening after midnight ish. And they do Gen expand Con. out yeah. into the into hotels and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it, it is one of those things that uh, it definitely calms down very much during the the midnight hour. But uh, there's always something to do at Gen Con. Yeah, um, Dragon Con does not calm down after midnight. Um, there's a general, there's an unspoken rule at Dragon Con that if you have your kids out. After 10 p.m., then it's on you what they see. Um, there's there's no nudity, but there will be pasties. Um, and uh, it's like I said, it takes place in only in hotels, including open bars. So you know, there's a lot of drinking going on. It has a reputation of being a relatively adult convention. Uh, I know that there is a lot of casual sex going on. Uh, there is a lot of hookups and. Um, there are a lot of interesting events. Uh, my favorite probably being the kilt blowing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, there is a, um, a webcomic called The Devil's Panties. And the young lady who, um, who uh, does The Devil's Panties, she lives in Atlanta. So she went to a Dragon Con and she realized something, um, which incidentally, I'm wondering if you can explain. But apparently, when it comes to con uh, conventions in America... Uh, upwards of a third of all men will be wearing kilts. Yes. Why? Uh, it's not that high, but yeah. Is it, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of kilt wearing. It, it is way above and beyond what you would averagely think. And I think that that just comes from there. Uh, there, uh, there might be a Braveheart wave of, of humans that have watched Braveheart uh, and other <laughs> kind of... Uh, you know, it's, I am a history buff. I hate Braveheart. Braveheart anyway, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> and not saying that that's a, a historically representation <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Just the, the craziness that happens in pop culture of all of a sudden, like you've got a bunch of people who have seen something, um, yeah, or heard about it that you normally wouldn't normally wouldn't be involved in this. Um, but then they get into gaming because of it and stuff like that too. And I just it, it, kilts are cool. Uh, it just yeah. they are. I I love wearing a kilt. Um, uh, I I really do. It's. Uh, I mean, I understand why women wear skirts because wearing a kilt, especially when it's hot, is really really nice. Uh, and I think more people should do it. So, but back to the story. So she saw all of these men wearing kilts. So she brought a leaf blower. <laughs> to and check to see if it was them. a kilt or a skirt, right? Uh, she was, she was, uh, she wasn't quite checking whether or not they were regimental, but, but that was the idea. And then it went from, she brought a kilt lower to it actually being an event. So now it's, um, that was due to some, um, let's say, um, unfortunate, uh, circumstances involving regimental kilts. Uh, it got moved to, uh, its own separate room. Um, and uh, they check ID so that they know that anyone who goes in there is 21 or, or no, sorry, 18 or older. Um, and then what you do is, uh, as a guy, I guess women can do it as well, but I've never really seen it. So guys come up, uh, they uh, sign up, and uh, then they go on stage, they get blown, Get your mind out of the gutter. Uh, and then they go down again. And when you're up on that stage, the, the room is packed with anywhere from 75 to 90% women. And when you go up on stage, they will scream. You will feel like a piece of meat. And as a balding, overweight, 
dude in his mid 40s that's an ego boost like cuz <laughs> you can have you can have some seriously hot guys wearing nothing but a kilt and their six pack go up there and the women will cheer for them but they'll cheer just as uh, much for you coming up there with your beer belly and your uh, ball spot it's just the fact that you go on stage and that's amazing um, but i think that, <laughs> well the thing is like um, I think that sums up uh, Dragon Con quite a bit because it is, you know, this convention where things are really loose and really fun. And um, I don't know how it is at, say, um, Comic Cons or things like that, but I have had a lot of, of fun one-on-one um, -on -one interactions with uh, celebrities at, um, at Dragon Con. And I... I I've I've gotten fairly close to some celebrities, uh, and they seem to you know be fairly chill. So um, there's there's not a whole lot of there is role playing going on. There's tabletop gaming and LARPing, but it is it is primarily a cosplay and science fiction and fantasy convention. Um, so I I've like I said I've done some LARPing there, but when I'm there I mainly cosplay and go to panels. Yeah, that yeah. sounds awesome. Uh, the, I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Onyx Pathcast. It's the the one that Onyx Path yeah. does. The, the I've never. I don't think I've ever heard it, but I, I I know of it. Yeah, I don't listen to every episode, but uh, it's pretty good. It's got um, Dixie Cochran, uh, Matt uh, Dawkins, and yeah. the the other guy. I can't remember his name right now. Uh, but we met him <laughs> at, uh, in Milwaukee uh, when we met hmm. all of those people. Uh, but uh, they did an episode about Dragon Con, and I think it was Dixie who I think still lives. Yeah, she's in been. The area yeah, she, that, uh, I think she does. She, uh, I, I got to know her at Dragon Con uh, before oh, she yeah. started working for Onyx, Onyx Path. She's a fellow oh, yeah. fan of the Crew Shadows. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, she's pretty cool. Uh, but she basically described it as if there is a fandom for something, it yeah. will exist at Dra Dragon Con. It's yeah. it's where and you go what... for the fandom. Gathering. Yeah, and that's why I describe it not just as a fantasy and science fiction, but also pop culture convention. Because even stuff that isn't, you know, within the the broad umbrella of science fiction and fantasy, it's it's still going to uh, to be there. I remember uh, I met a security guard at a mall between two of the hotels who was over the moon that the actress who played Genie in I Dream of Genie was going to be there because it was like, oh, she was my crush when I was younger, which I can understand because I remember when they showed I Dream of Genie here in Denmark. That was, uh, she was, she was quite pretty. <laughs> yeah. Dragon Con is definitely one that I would like to get to. Uh, yeah. I've never been to Atlanta. Theory. So is there any, is, is so Atlanta has casinos, right? Is unless I'm that's Atlantic is, city. That's Atlantic city. Okay, yeah. never mind. I'm an idiot. I knew I was dude, in the dude, wrong I'm universe. Dude, I'm Danish, and I know it's Atlantic City. <laughs> I knew I was in the wrong universe. I gotta look. <laughs> Atlanta uh, is no, uh, Georgia. Yeah. The state, it's it's in the, the south. Country. It's not off the south. It's not? Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's hot, it's humid, and oh. Uh, one, one last um, cosplay uh, story, and then we'll get back to role-playing, but... Um, I went there at one point. They have it is so amazing. Every year at Dragon Con, they have a parade down. Um, I was about to say Main Street, but it's it's Atlanta, so it's probably Peachtree Street because everything is Peachtree Street in Atlanta. Um, P 
people who've been to Dragon Con or live in Atlanta will know this. Um, but they have this huge parade through downtown central Atlanta. They close off a huge section of central Atlanta. And then Dragon Con has a parade with people in cosplay um, parading uh, and, and people line the streets uh, to watch and children are there. So a lot of, of the parade goers bring candy and it's such an amazing experience. And one year um, I marched with a group called Obscurus Crusade, which is a Warhammer 40k cosplay group. And I was cosplaying um, something called an Imperial Commissar. And their signature look involves um, a great coat. Now, what I had chosen for my great coat was made out of rubberized canvas. It is Labor Day and it is Atlanta. I was sweating a lot. It turned I, I, I learned from my mistakes and didn't do that a second time because I, I, I don't know how much weight I lost. I'd lost when I'd finished the parade, but but I, I had just I'd sweated buckets. Yeah, so, it's uh, it's actually similar to Gen Con because Gen Con is in the middle of the summer in in Indianapolis, and I did some cosplay back in the day. It's uh, it's important to to plan ahead for that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. So, and speaking before we jump back to gaming real quick. Speaking of cosplay, there's you know on your Instagram you have the. Um, you know, uh, Viking outfit that you have with you sitting on the Game of Thrones, uh, Iron Throne. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that was... That is uh, an epic-looking uh, picture, dude. That was that was fun. That was um, the second uh, Copenhagen Comic Con. Sadly, they, they're not doing Comic Cons in Copenhagen anymore. They did it two years, and then they realized that, that uh, they can't make enough money to do it in Copenhagen, which was really sad because... It was it was a great opportunity to cosplay, but yeah, I have this this barbarian semi Viking outfit, and it was day two. Day one, my cosplay was something that only worked in Denmark because um, if I shave my head, uh, and I, I have this rather large um, beard, and if I shave my head and wear round glasses. I bear a striking resemblance to a former Danish prime minister who had the most. Um, the most famous election poster in Danish history. So for my for my cosplay on day one, I made that election poster and walked around with that, which was really fun because none of the young kids had any idea what I was doing. So for day two, I was like, I'm going to just do a casual cosplay to go with my wife. So I did this Viking cosplay. I, I had some uh, painted on facial tattoos and I think I did some blood effects as well. And then this huge LARP hammer and this outfit... And they had um, they had a replica of the Iron Throne because HBO was heavily promoting um, Game of Thrones. And if I recall correctly, it's the guy who played Euron Greyjoy because he's Danish. He was there at the convention, so that makes sense as well. And you could go sit on the throne and have your picture taken. And I thought, okay, wearing what I'm wearing, I'm going to be sitting on the throne. So I, I sat down and, and did my best to look badass. So was it a real like iron like made out of metal throne or what did what did it feel like sitting on it uh i think it was some kind of either hard plastic or resin or something like that it it uh it, it was it was pretty hard you could i could have used a cushion because i'm old but it it was it was a nice visual um and it's it's um it, it's a it's a fun costume that i i like doing because uh it's it's fun to 
it's easy to throw on. I did it uh, one year um, where I work. Um, I work with kids uh, age six to 10 years. And in Denmark, we have something called Festelown, which is sort of like Halloween, except um, when you dress up, it doesn't have to be scary. Uh, and it takes place in February. And I basically put on that costume and then I took some um, blood effect paint uh, from um, uh, Warhammer. Uh, they, they have really cool blood effect paint. And I painted my entire face with that. So it looked like I had my face was completely covered in blood. And I was dressed like that for the entire day. All of the kids thought it was real fun. Whenever some of the parents came, they, they did a double take. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that happening. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, at that point, most of the parents knew me, knew what I was like anyway. So they, they did a double take. And I was like, they were like, okay, it's Jakob. We're not surprised. <laughs> so... Uh... One of the things that um, always interests me, because I'm a huge mage uh, fan, but I haven't really delved really deep into the Dark Ages uh, mage stuff, is um, the the whole concept of the Order of Reason versus the traditions back in the day. And I always like to kind of, for anybody that knows about this kind of stuff, and it sounds like you have like a, a you know, at least an idea um, of, of what's going on during that time period, probably much better than I do. Um, how do you feel about that, that fight during that time period? Um, and well, do you, and um, what do you, you feel about it moving forward? Yeah. Do you, are, you, are, are you on the side of the technocracy or are you on the side of the traditions? Uh well, to answer the last one first, I'm on the side of, of the technocracy if they weren't so uh, damn fascist about what they were doing. But, but yeah, I, 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 love, I love technology, I love science, I love the advance of it, and, I, and you know, so. But um, in Dark Ages Mage, interestingly, they don't have that at all, they, they, which I think, considering that it's set in 1230, is a very good idea. That, that they don't have any order of reason or anything going. It is it is very much uh, only the really magical paradigms. The closest thing that that gets to that uh, are the um, they call the Ali Batini or the Batini something like that. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, the the Middle Middle Eastern um, tradition. Otherwise, you have you have the the spirit talkers and the uh, Valdermen and um, and that sort of thing, the celestial chorus. If celestial I think chorus, order else. of Hermes, and, and yeah, order of Hermes, pillars, yeah, right. That you you don't have spheres, yeah. you have pillars. No, exactly. It's period. it's uh, yeah, it's it's you can see that they have they have taken more of an inspiration from from Ars Magica, um, and and they're keeping it very very magical, which I like. Um, I mean, I. I have to be honest. Of of all the games that I've I've played, I've I've played all the five core games except me, um, Wraith. I've never gotten to play Wraith, and of the the four that I've played, Mage is my least favorite. But that's because the whole um, paradigms and things it it never clicked for me. But I really do love Sorcerer's Crusade. is a lot of fun, especially if you play it. Uh, it, not really steampunk because it's before steam, but mm -hmm. but maybe clockwork punk or something like that. That's been a lot of fun. And Dark Ages, um, on the one hand, I think that that's really interesting and they've done a lot of fun stuff with it. But also, if I'm going to play Wizards in the mid Middle Ages, I'm going to play Ars Magica instead. Um, 
but I, I I really like what they did with Dark Ages Mage. Um, I I think it's it's um, it's a really interesting take on Mage. Well, I like I like how they you know like the concept of of Mage is really around the concept that like I mean the Order of Hermes was like horrible like during all of this time period like they're almost like <laughs> a, a a scene as 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 to why if I was looking at it you know from from that kind of like you know, omniscient point of view that I have right now of, you know, my idea of what the hell's going on with all of this stuff. Um, when I'm GMing, I really feel like the the Order of Reason had a really good point in the beginning. That, you know, during yeah, the Dark yeah, Ages, definitely. Um, the Celestial Choir, the, you know, or what was, you know, the to become the Celestial Choir, and what was the Order of Reason, which had been around for an extremely, like, long time, and most of mages were just, ruling the world like mages were ruling yeah. the world vampires were ruling the world uh werewolves were just demolishing you if you went outside of the city like this whole concept of like the supernatural ran the world more in the dark ages and in modern times you still have the supernaturals ruling everything it just has a i believe like the division that needed to be created um between what what really runs the world and what runs the supernatural world and trying to, to separate them as much as possible because they are much more separated in the world of, of today than they were back in the Dark Ages, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I mean... I'm all I'm all for the advance of science and technology as long as but you know in from from what I remember of mage the the technocracy was presented as relatively fascist um there but, was but the, other than that the connection to World War Two Nazis that the technocracy mm. will always stain uh, that they weren't they weren't the creators of or anything but once the plan started going they were like you know what we could usurp this plan for good and uh, and it's one of the main reasons why eventually the virtual adepts were like, yeah, we're we're outsies, like um, yeah, then they're killing we... of their their leader. So, mm. but yeah, I I think uh, of the of the games that that I have played, Mage is the one that I know the least about um, both the meta plot and the various faction factions and and things like that. I know I know more about the Dark Ages version of it than anything else. Um, uh, I I I did I did a lot of, of reading up when I when I wrote my Dark Ages Mage book. Yeah, I find I've 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 I'm fascinated with Mage more. I, I got involved with Vampire first, and then I like learned about Mage, and then everybody around me that was playing was like, I have no idea what the spheres are, and I don't understand that system, <laughs> and I don't understand Paradigm. I'm not playing that game. And, yeah. uh, and and slowly but surely throughout my entire lifetime, I have forced my friends to play the game with me and the ones that like playing it have continued playing it and the ones that don't like playing it don't don't play it we play D and other games um together. you have forced your paradigm upon them yes yes well <laughs> yeah i'm the gm amusingly, so. <laughs> I, yeah uh, i am using the technically the first world of darkness game i played was mage because um i was playing with a guy who had the mage core book but he only used it uh, as a generic system to run a, a mortal horror campaign that had nothing to do with the world of darkness. So, so you could say technically I played mage because he used the mage book for that. But the first, the first real 
uh, World of Dark Ages. Sorry, huh? I've been doing my podcast, uh, so that's sticking in the mind. The first real World of Darkness game that I played was Vampire the Masquerade, and Vampire, especially in the Dark Ages iteration, is still my my favorite. And for my wife, it's it's Werewolf. So so those are the two games that we have going. Yeah, Mike is a huge werewolf fan. He's yeah, werewolf was my first. Well, not not technically. It was kind of the same. I did mage first, but then the big first big chronicle that I played in was a werewolf game. I always find yeah. it interesting when yeah. people come into the world of darkness and they're like, "The first game I played was mage," and I'm just like, "What? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. wait, who are you? Are you?" That's probably I... why we get along so well, is because I've I've played like hundreds of hours of mage and so we I think also like each other mage is a bit more uh, difficult to approach because with vampire it's like you say vampire and people already have an idea what's going on you say werewolf sure the werewolves in werewolf are quite different from werewolf mythology but it's easy enough to to give you an idea of what's going on mage is heavily involved with philosophy and perceptual reality and things like that i think that can be a bit hard to uh to get into uh for for people who will also have to learn a system and the world of darkness so i think you know entry level vampire and werewolf is is easier so this is where i think that mage went kind of wrong on on the way that they did it um in, in the sense that I think that premiering the traditions as being the the uh, the protagonist and the antagonist being the technocracy was the wrong way to, to start the game line to a certain degree. Like, I get that it came from Ars Technica, uh, or not, not Ars Technica. Uh, Ars Magica. <laughs> Ars Magica. Um, but I, um, and so they wanted to like, and they had it in, in Vampire with the Tremere and, you know, they kind of wanted to make sure that they, they brought this game to life. Um, but I find it's really easy to get people to believe or not believe, but understand the, um, the technocratic paradigm. It's simple. Yeah. It's I think easy. Everybody kind of get because we live it. Like that's it, yeah. There's rarely a person that you're gonna run into that's gonna be like, oh, I really understand or like like can jump into a paradigm that's not technocratic. Yeah, but I also you know I think um, when Mage was made, it really they couldn't make it any other way because of uh, the fact that that. Um, the way the world of darkness was being portrayed there it was being portrayed with a sort of of leftist uh, slash green background radiation mm -hmm. almost like you can definitely see like with werewolf. Uh, yeah it, it it comes very much to the surface with werewolf uh, but there are also uh, shades of it in uh, in vampire and so with mage they just they go whole hog with they they went whole hog with it and say okay the people who are fighting against the advancement of science and technology are right because the people who are advancing science and technology are these mostly bad people. And that was the way it was presented in the first books. Uh, and I, I don't know if they've put on a more nuanced, I'm assuming they have put on a more nuanced approach to it later because they've, in all their books, become much more nuanced in what they were doing. I mean, that's the thing with, with, uh, with the world of darkness. They have so many years of um, of baggage 
that 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 comes to to the fore. I mean, if you just have to look at the the followers of Set uh, that come from a time when when you know they uh, they they were oh Set he is the god of snakes and they are uh, are serpent worshippers and things like that. And then everyone who has to write for it since then have had to figure out a way around that, knowing that no. Sutek was not the god of snakes, so so it, it's it's changed and morphed. The same thing we're 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 real we're getting to it uh, with the books that that we're looking at in um, in World of Dark Ages podcast right now, where they're starting to move away from the quote unquote gypsy stereotype of um, of the Ravnos, which is incredibly uh, offensive, and moving towards a much more nuanced version of the Ravnos, which is really nice because uh, it's it's rather uncomfortable to go through book upon book where the Ravnos are portrayed as these um, yeah stereotypical uh, people and not Roma. Mm-hmm. Never mind the fact that the Roma were not in Europe in, in the Dark Ages timeline. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, it's uh, definitely um, yeah, it's History in the portrayal of how 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 to how to advance the world of darkness to become not so like because like you said they started off with a lot of really niche like uh, stereotypes and there there is a theme throughout the book of uh, or throughout the world of darkness of stereotypes being a thing and being um, you know like every single clan every single werewolf uh tribe i believe even has like a, a stereotype section where they're like hey this is, yeah. this is the stereotype that i think of of this but i think white wolf does a good job of of later on like you said moving away from that stereotype and saying that the stereotype is is a stereotype it exists in the world of darkness if you include these kind of things but they're not the stereotype and here's yeah that here's that's not that's not what they you. are right yeah and and I mean that's one of the things that that I that I like about fifth edition. I um, if if people have heard our latest side quests um, podcast episode, I talk about the fact that I'm not the biggest fan of Vampire Fifth Edition. Not saying that Vampire Fifth Edition is bad. I'm just saying it's not for me. But I think they've done some good work getting away from uh, from those stereotypes, which is which is something that we see all across um, all across the role playing sphere. At the moment, you have the whole uh, discussion about whether or not orcs are always chaotic evil in Dungeons and Dragons, where a lot of people are saying, look, we see this as a negative stereotype about non-white savages. Mm -hmm. And a huge discussion in the LARP um, community here in Denmark is um, blackface drow or dark elves, um, which, you know, there, there is... There's been some um, drow-specific scenarios, and there have been uh, some some fantasy LARPs that have included drow, where they are taking the um, the Dungeons and Dragons uh, Forgotten Realms version of them. I don't know if if that was the first time they looked like that, but that's where I see the whole black skin, white hair, Drista Wooden look, and and there have been talk about this being somewhat equivalent to blackface simply because um you know these these dark elves are evil slavers and they have dark skin uh so that's become a, a huge discussion in in the LARP community here in Denmark interesting 
Yeah, that's, uh, I never really thought about that, but yeah, that is, uh, a really good... Yeah, see, I didn't think about it either, because I was always thinking, well, it's not a natural, uh, skin color, you know, they're not doing, uh, what blackface was, they're not, they're not painting themselves as people of African ancestry, Right. but then you have, then you have people of African ancestry here in Denmark who are saying, we see it as blackface, it affects us, and then I'm like, okay... Well, if you're saying it, then I'm down with that because I'm a white guy, so I cannot, you know, understand how that makes you feel. But if you're telling me that this makes you uncomfortable because you see this as parallel to blackface, then it shouldn't be done. Mm -hmm. Period. Yeah, the gaming community is definitely coming to terms with a lot of stuff right now. And in general, I think the spirit of most people in the gaming world goes in the right direction. So, yeah, I think so too. I, I mean, there, there are still people who will complain, you know, there are people who will complain that Pathfinder second edition is calling it ancestry rather than races. And there are people who will keep saying, look, we're painting ourselves as drow, a fantasy race. We're painting ourselves coal black, not uh, trying to look like people of African ancestry and so on and so forth. There will be people who do that, but I feel like, you know, we're moving towards something better. And I just, I want my hobby to be inclusive. I want mm-hmm. everyone, regardless of their gender identity, regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of their political or religious standpoint, I want them to feel accepted, happy, and safe in this hobby because I love my hobby. I mean, I went through uh, the classic depressed teenage period. And what's what really got me out of that was role playing. Um, the reason I met uh, the woman that I love and that I've been married to now for twenty years is through role playing. Role playing has done so much good for me. So I really want this hobby to be for everyone. So I, I you know, I may sound a bit idealistic, but it's just it's something that I really, really want and I really, really like to see. No, I, I agree. I mean, the gaming is, is where we can all come together. And from my point of view, everybody games, you know, whether it's poker, you know, watching Jeopardy and shouting at the screen the correct answer. <laughs> like, I mean, like there's a place for gaming for all of us, you know, and, and it's yeah. not restrictive to having to have dice or, or a computer or whatever anybody thinks gaming is tag is something we've all played you know or or uh, some variation or some childhood activity that's a game and as we get older we still want to play and tell stories to each other and i find it interesting that the world has has moved towards accepting collaborative storytelling and it's something that has not been widely accepted by the um literature community and or entertainment community until recently i mean hell if you go back to the 90s you can literally find people saying that if you play dungeons and dragons you worship demons like that's yeah and it's it's kind of funny because when um like i said i'm old i was born in 1975 um when i was growing up when when you were playing role-playing games you were a nerd and you were tagged as a nerd um, I embraced my nerddom, uh, which meant I was a lot of times not necessarily an outcast, but you know, I was I was not one of the cool guys. But I had I had people who were closet role players who basically didn't want me 
uh, telling uh, they were guys, uh, so especially didn't want me telling girls that they were role players. Now things have changed in Denmark. Um, it's been a while since there's been an, uh, a season of it, but we had a LARP TV show. Um, we have uh, a, um, a wait, wait, what's, what's your LARP TV show? Is that the uh, uh it's called Bada B E R D A, and it's basically every episode is a couple of kids get uh, a, a LARP role, they get kitted out, and then they go on an adventure, a LARP adventure that is then filmed. Uh, I've never seen an episode of it, but I know of it, obviously, <laughs> because it's role-playing and it was cool. We have at least one, um, the closest thing in English would be boarding school that is run uh, on role-playing principles where as much of the education as possible involves LARPing. Uh, we have another one which I don't know if it follows the same principle principles or it's if it's more general nerdiness. So both LARP and tabletop and Magic the Gathering and cosplay. Um, I uh, I work with kids, uh, like I said, and uh, from time to time we'll pull out a bunch of LARP weapons and I'll get paid to run around and hit kids with um, a buffer sword. Um, if you put role player on your resume then that is an advantage in a number of job seeking positions um things like that uh and and we are recognized as one of like the the big countries when it comes to uh to larping um and and larp theory and things like that so uh so things have certainly changed um it was only it was like very very briefly we had a satanic panic over here most of the time was just your nerds, but things have changed now. I kind of wish I, I, if I'd been, if I'd been, um, uh, if, if things had been like that when I was young, I, I, I think I, uh, I would have been a lot cooler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got, I got lucky where I got, I got cool with the, with the nerdy kids and still got, uh, still got women somehow that way. Um, <laughs> I didn't have to hide it. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I met I met my uh, my wife at a LARP. Like I said, Convention of Thorns was my second greatest LARPing experience. Meeting my wife was my greatest LARPing experience, um, and that was back when uh, here in, in Denmark we didn't have that many many girls doing LARP, uh, doing role playing. But I mean, one thing that we can thank Vampire the Masquerade and World of Darkness LARPing and things for is getting more women into the hobby because um, I, it, it's not a stereotype to say that Vampire the Masquerade uh, brought a lot more women into role playing. That was that was. I remember that as being one of the huge catalysts for bringing women into what was once a very male dominated hobby. Right. They uh, even and do like they write when they write. They they write in the she format. Um, yeah, you know, they, things like that. They and just the idea of catering towards stronger role play over mechanics and the the concepts of of like. I mean, truthfully, Dungeons and Dragons not super sexy. I mean, it can be. <laughs> don't get me wrong, it can be. Vampire in the '90s, yeah, is like oh the yeah, sexy. Like <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, definitely. And and it was it it really it. And I think nowadays you you have you have women involved in all. Um, the, uh, the the various role playing um, games out there, which is is really great. I think it it's probably still like more than fifty percent male dominated, but 
you have more women and with more women there comes a greater need for acceptance from from us guys uh and and we get the the move that we've had in the last couple of years towards a a much more accepting um hobby and and community it's like that with every subculture uh suddenly new people come in and and you kind of have to have to adapt to that um but i i just i i like where where we're going and i just want to see i want to see this hobby uh progress towards where everybody feels welcome and safe in it with the exception of people who are sexist or uh transphobic or stuff like that because seriously i don't need those people yeah, people that that want to bring harm, you know, is what you know is 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 the the I'm better than you, you know, type kind of concepts. And I mean, to be honest, I've gotten that vibe not just from you know horrible people, but some people I consider really good friends that are like, I'm I'm a vegan, therefore I'm ten times better than you because I'm <laughs> vegan. And it's like, you know, just in general, just be, be trying to dominate other people is just ridiculous. Like, yeah, I, I, it's I, like. People have to remember, this is a shared experience. We are all in this for the purpose of having a good time. So, you know, figure out how everyone who's involved can have a good time. It's like, I know when, when I put a group together, if my wife's involved, then we're not doing hardcore horror because she doesn't like that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so play to your know audience. your group, know the people you play with. Exactly. Find out what, 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 they, want to, uh, what they want to do. And like I said, it's collaborative storytelling, it's, you know, and that's yeah. the whole point is that it's not just you throwing out stuff. It's it's you building a world with other people and and bringing in like I find that a, a game that has more diversity is way more um, interesting of a, of a story than something that is purely from a male white, you know, perspective um, and filming yeah. just male white characters. Especially when they're like, okay, so we need to have a woman, so we're going to have the guy play the woman, um, you know, and, and then when, you know, depending on, some of them do it pretty well, um, and some of them, you know, uh, it's not a problem. You can tell it's a guy them, playing a woman. <laughs> sometimes you can really tell, and sometimes it's really bad, you're just like, okay, we were, you did not represent a woman, you represented yeah. whatever the hell you think you want. <laughs> Yeah, I've uh, and and it's it's kind of funny looking at how um, how LARPs have have evolved. There was a a LARP held in in Germany recently. I think it was called Harvest Dance. It was called Harvest something. I think it was called Harvest Dance, which was a a fairy uh, or fae LARP, not Dark Ages, but but uh, you know uh, the 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 fae mythology where uh, it was basically fae concept of gender, which means it doesn't matter what you look like, uh, you choose your the, the character you're playing what ge what uh gender do they want to be addressed as if any uh which i thought was you know because they're fey they can do that i thought that was a really cool concept and it sounded really really great and i was like yeah you know what i could go to this larp and and then it turned out that that um unfortunately all the um all the food options they, they said and all the food will be vegan i was like i i sorry i can't do an extended weekend without eating meat <laughs> i I, I, you know, I, I simply like me too much. I wouldn't be able to do that. Uh, so that, that, that was I'm, kind of the reason why I didn't go. With, uh, a bit sad, but I can I, understand why they're doing that. You know, they, they then they cater to everyone, and they can be sure that it's kosher and that it's you know it is for everyone. But it's just like 
Yeah, I can't. I can't do that. Go that long without eating meat. See, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a meatitarian. I'm a. I'm a protector of the plants that have no ability to defend themselves. By the way, and you guys are <laughs> mass slaughtering these poor things and eating them and just being like so above yeah. me. But I, I want to defend them, and also I just I not very good at eating green stuff so i like no, meat, I... <laughs> but i also understand <laughs> the the idea of you know i would I, I i like impossible meat or whatever you know from wendy's or or whatever or not wendy's uh what mm. is it? Uh, burger king or whatever it's, has the yeah burger king yeah they've got the, yeah they got that over here as well um you know i like those kind of concepts of 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 meat um, because I understand the detriment that there is on on the world by us being a huge meat society. Um, yeah, I'm but... I'm looking forward to um, to vet grown meat when they when they perfect that because I don't care if if my burger uh, grew on a cow or not. Uh, I'm I'm okay with it being vet grown. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I sure. said, science technology sign me up for that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I have I have very strong opinions about uh, about food, but uh, I I also understand the concept of of you know there's a bunch of cows out there that don't need to be you know yeah being slaughtered by us, and we don't need to be creating tons of them for just creation of meat and the amount of land and stuff. But in any case, yeah, it's it's uh it's it's interesting to to see the gaming community be one of the communities that really opens up to um, diversity. And I hope that that continues moving forward and that pushes our society forward. And... Yeah, and I think the more mainstream it becomes with things like um, Critical Role uh, and all the other things that are that are really making um, role-playing mainstream famous people like Stephen Colbert and Vin Diesel, um, uh, what's his name, The Witcher, um, yeah, and Tom Mac, Mac something I can't I can never do his last name. But these famous people who are role players, they're really bringing it into the mainstream, uh, which is why we also need to make sure that that we then represent ourselves well, you know, rather than coming off as a a very male dominated, um, very white male focused game uh, uh, and culture. Um, but it's 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 funny going from when I was young and role-playing and it was so obscure and now seeing how mainstream it is becoming how much people who don't uh, know who don't role-play actually know that role-playing exists because of of these things that have that have blown up and these people who are talking about it yeah yeah like people like Vin Diesel um, I think uh, got to some 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 portion of the the world that you know didn't really know about gaming and they were like oh, i love vin diesel and then they were like oh he plays games like and i feel yeah. like as as things like continue like that um you know it really is we're we're, we're an open society you know or an open gaming society we we want people to come in and and you know we want the jocks we want the hardcore weightlifters we want you know, we want Arnold's and, and we also want the geeks and the nerds and, the, yeah. you know, and everybody, you know, it doesn't matter how you identify or what, you know, who you fall in love with. It That has nothing of any kind of connection to gaming. Gaming is about gaming. And I think that's, We're just all here I mean, I think that's, yeah, I think that's where, where World of Darkness also has a strength because uh, first and foremost you have, it is our world, 
but with the supernatural, which means that people only have to relate to our world. They don't have to learn a fantasy world. Mm -hmm. You also have the idea of it being uh, urban fantasy, which is quite uh, quite popular with things like the Dresden Files, uh, Supernatural TV show. And then when you say Vampire, which is still the biggest and most popular of, of the World of Darkness games, say Vampire, people immediately think of things like True Blood, Vampire Diaries. Vampires are are usually always hot so that that can that can uh, capture people's attention i think that that it's, interestingly it's male stuff. hot like not just female like like there's you know female vampire hot is definitely hot but male vampire yeah. hotness is like top oh of yeah the, like top of the like except for werewolves now now werewolves have a competition due to the whatever book they that that came out about you know the yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's yeah it's it's and and that's the thing you know you want to capture the the zeitgeist um and and you can use that to uh, to hook people um but what's and and it, here in 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 europe what's becoming big are these really really big um larps uh that are that are happening in poland and i think my uh my wife wants to say hi to me. Are you heading to bed, dear? Yes. Okay. I'll uh, I'll head to bed when we finished. <laughs> Fortunately, I don't have to uh, get up early tomorrow. Neither of us do. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> but but yeah. yeah, what's getting big in 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 Denmark are these. Uh, sorry, in in Europe are these are these um, really huge production LARPs. Um, obviously, the biggest one is College of Wizardry. Kind of want to go to that one one day. Um, because that that's still going strong, uh, and still looks like an amazing experience. Interesting. Is that, is that one that they do it like every week or or every month? No. Well, at, I think at one point they did it every third month or something like that. But that was that was run by the um, the LARPing company that that went belly up, uh, and then the assets of College of Wizardry was sold to another company and they now run it i think once a year and then there are offsprings there is one in germany and there was also one in the us i don't know if they still run and then they're like minor offsprings i i went to one here in denmark that was just in a in a, um, <laughs> a cabin in the woods where uh it was in the convention uh, sorry the um college of wizardry universe uh, and we were all uh werewolves except for one guy who was a fox for some reason <laughs> but uh, that was that was a fun thing that was a, a, a rather small larp with were we 20 25 people or something like that still attended by people from the US which just blew my mind that that people from the US would fly to Denmark to attend a 20 person larp in a cabin uh, in in a Danish forest, that that was that was crazy. That sounds pretty epic, yeah. actually. But uh, also, yeah, that, that sounds pretty fun. To <laughs> also, yeah, it's yeah, interesting it was... to see somebody fly all the way across just for 
for that. Uh, hopefully they had a bunch, like you said uh, at the beginning, hopefully they had some other plans of things that they did too. Yeah, I, 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 they, 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 all of them all of them had that. And the, the reason they came was because um, most of them knew each other from the College of, of Wizardry uh, LARPs. So, so they were getting together with friends that they played with for quite some time. So it's also kind of fun to come, out, come as an outsider. Obviously, the character that I created was then someone who knew absolutely nothing so that I could play off, off the fact that I'd never been to uh, to one of those College of Wizardry LARPs, um, which was fun because everyone was really, really accommodating and and really good at, at bringing me in. So, uh, so that was that was a fun experience. I miss LARPing. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's hard to do during this day and age, but uh, give it one year, and uh, I think. Oh we'll, yeah, we'll be, we'll be back. I cannot wait to to go to conventions, and I can't wait to go to a bar. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't. I, I can't wait. Wait to uh, to hug my friends again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been really weird. Uh, only only been hanging out with my friends really digitally for a while now, especially since uh, it, you can't really hang out outside anymore. Uh, so it's it's become all yeah. virtual. <laughs> Luckily, I've adapted yeah. my life to virtual <laughs> uh, conditioning. So, I think this is going to do a lot for um, for online gaming, online role playing. Uh, I think a lot of people have, have gotten uh, gotten into using the various various tools that that they're available for that. Um, so, in it, it could end up with like. Uh, cross-national role-playing groups popping up all over because people are getting so used to doing virtual role-playing. Yeah, I know that this is the first year that I've really pushed for it at all. Um, you know, we did little things here and there, but I'm loving it because it becomes really easy to record it. And just in general, not even, even if I don't want to publish it or anything, it's kind of cool to have old recordings of your games that you've played through for memory's sake more than just, you know... Well, yeah, I never thought about that. Given given how how my memory is, might actually just start recording my gaming sessions anyway, so so I actually remember stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah, I did that for a while. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of uh, playing long distance, I, I feel like I'm kind of an outlier because, like, the the guys that I went to college with, we just kept playing games, and you know, one guy moved about an hour away, and then another guy moved ten hours away. So we've been playing online for a long time. In fact, one of those guys lived in China for four years. <laughs> we, we got wow. him on audio uh, through, I think, Google Hangouts at the time. And we had Ooh. to set up like port forwarding and stuff because the, the great China. firewall of China and stuff. <laughs> uh, and so when everything went online, it was like the only thing that changed was uh, so, so people, two people came over to my house every week. And so the only thing that changed was they stayed home. <laughs> we were already doing it over voice chat. So yeah, well, that's kind of funny. You said some someone moved ten hours away. Uh, if anybody moved ten hours away in Denmark, they would be in another country. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we we are we are not a large country. No, I think it's uh, like you're not even as large as where we live in Wisconsin. No, 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 no. Like, like I said, um, it is physically impossible to be more than thirty miles away from the ocean in Denmark. Yeah. Unless, of course, you add our colonies, in which case we're huge because we have Greenland. Um, you, you did not get. 
Yeah, you 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 are not allowed to buy Greenland. <laughs> I was just about to say, but but we might buy it from you. Well, he was gonna trade. He was gonna trade another place for Greenland. That was. Oh uh, yeah, um, Puerto Rico. Yeah, something Puerto- like that. God, yeah, no, we we tr- we have had our islands in um in the Caribbean, and you guys bought them off us. So we're we're not back in the Caribbean, okay? <laughs> yeah. Uh, fun times. Uh, the twenty first century. <laughs> what a what a, what uh, a century. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. It's the, the fun way through. It's <laughs> no, it's 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 kind of interesting. I was um. Uh, before this whole COVID thing started, I was writing, um, I was working on uh, a book for the, um, the Storytellers Vault called Denmark Chronicles, which is um, a, a four-part chronicle set in in Denmark. I, I wrote uh, Denmark by Night for the Storytellers Vault, and then I decided I wanted to do a chronicle in Denmark using that book. And before all of this started, I had planned it out, and the third scenario was going to happen in 2020. Um, due to the history of Denmark in the world of darkness, as I've written it, 2020 is a very important year. And then this happened, and I was like, that chapter is going to be so different from what I was originally planning. So I've just spent uh, about a week researching the timeline of COVID in Denmark and trying to figure out how does this affect the vampires in Denmark? Um, And it's like... Okay, the lockdown, that's going to make hunting really difficult. All bars, all cafes, all restaurants, all these places closed. How are vampires going to hunt? Oh, no, this all makes sense. I know why the lockdown's got to be stopped now. It's because of all the vampires that are like... (laughs) (laughs) But it's a thing, yeah. (laughs) And when nobody has any reason to go out after nightfall because everything is closed... How do yeah. vampires who do not have a herd hunt? So, so I've 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 been you know trying to figure out how to make all of that uh, all of that work without it just taking over the scenario I I planned. Wow, yeah, that's gonna be that's an interesting. I'm so far uh, if I do anything for writing of 2020, <laughs> I'm trying to plan it out to be like 10 to 20 years from now so that I can <laughs> get my distance. yeah, so we can get a perspective on it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting. Although although I might have to do something anyways, just to... still got the Madison under siege stuff that I would like to continue beyond what we've done. But <laughs> but yeah, I think oh. that that's a uh, good uh, good good point to kind of uh, start wrapping it up here. I think. Um, but yeah, it's been really awesome talking to you, and definitely look forward to hopefully talking to you soon in the future, like uh, you know, off off show and stuff. Like this is this has been really awesome. Yeah, I've 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 loved it. You've you've given me an opportunity to do one of my very favorite things, which is talk about myself. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I I I'm so narcissistic sometimes. Um, but yeah, it's it's been really fun. It's been nice, you know. Like I mentioned before, we. Um, we we started talking. Um, I I'm pretty scatterbrained, so when I do my own podcast, I tend to script myself very heavily, um, and and so it was uh, it was kind of nice to just just do a, a, a talk and and ramble on in 
in all sorts of uh, of different of different directions. And I've I've had a lot of fun, and uh, I hope people who uh, who are listening uh, found this interesting. Yeah, I mean, I definitely I I found it super interesting. <laughs> I loved it, man. This was really awesome, and thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, sure, no problem. Um, it uh, it was a lot of fun, and um, just quickly, if I if I can, I would like to plug my my podcast one more time. Absolutely, it, go ahead. Plug actually, away. Uh, so uh, it's actually on our outline. Is where can people find you online? All of, yeah, all of that. yeah. So it's called the World of Dark Ages podcast. Um, we have a Squared Space page, which is only really used to host. Uh, the podcast because that's an easy way to get it out on various platforms. Um, we're on Facebook. That's the main place to go if you have any questions, comments, suggestions. Uh, Want to talk to uh, to me or Peter, my co-host? Uh, which is yeah on Facebook. Uh, you just search for World of Dark Ages podcast, um, and the podcast is available on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts and. I think a couple of other platforms we got it set up on, but basically, if you have a platform that you listen to podcasts, podcasts on, search for World of Dark Ages podcast. Um, and like I said, it's a podcast about um, the the Dark Ages books, uh, which comes out every other week, uh, Friday at eight p.m. Danish time, which is Central European time, and then every. Uh, week we're not doing that we're doing uh, what we call side quests which is random talks about historical stuff that is more or less related to dark ages whatever strikes our fancy awesome yeah definitely check that out uh, i know i'm going to be uh, catching up quite a bit because i i have a huge fascination with history personally and a dark ages podcast that goes over um all of the world of darkness that is in the dark ages is just sounds like something I, I wish I would have found a long time ago, truthfully. <laughs> <laughs> well, excited. you know, um, yeah, I, I, I got the idea when, uh, you know, there was, there's 25 years of vampire, the masquerade, they started doing, uh, their review of dark ages. And I thought, uh, this sounds really interesting, but theirs is taking a different approach that I wanted to take. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And I was uh, I was advised by a good friend of mine that I needed a co-host, and I was just like, okay, my friend Peter, who is as big a history nerd as me, I'm just gonna ask him, Peter, do you want to do it? And he said yes. So, uh, so basically, anybody who's listening, if you've got an idea for a podcast, it's not that difficult to set up. Um, yeah, and I, I have absolutely no idea how many people are listening to our podcast, but it seems that enough people are doing it that it's fun to keep on doing it. Yeah. No, yeah, ex exactly how I feel, and uh, definitely, yeah, just get it out there, man. Everybody loves content, and, um, you know, the big thing is, is to, to know that, you know, if somebody's appreciating you, that's awesome. Like, that, at least that's for me. I'm one of those humans that, like, my goal in this world, create cool stories, and hopefully somebody listens to it. be super awesome if in a thousand years somebody knows of me um, through the stories <laughs> that I've told. If not... I'm very happy to just have somebody in 2020, 2021 that just listened to a story and got something of from from it. So, yeah, yeah. I think what we've said is we want to like our dream is to be walking around at Gen Con or some convention, and somebody comes up to us and says like, "Oh man, are you guys are you the guys that make Technogate?" And we'd be like, "Oh yeah, 
like you know, ten years from now, somebody's like, "Oh yeah, I found <laughs> it's so good." Awesome. All right. So just before we uh, wrap up here, we want to just give a few shout outs here. So uh, definitely some of the podcasts that uh, we definitely recommend for you to check out. Uh, Midnight Express, which uh, really got me inspired to uh, do a podcast. Um, definitely check those oh, I need guys to check out. Check that out at some point. They're really good. Um, I know he's been taking a break lately, um, but uh, I can't wait till he comes out with some new episodes. Um, just a really, really cool guy. I've, I've been on his show... Once or twice, I think twice. I can't remember now. But uh, yeah, it was it was a really fun time uh, being on his show. Um, Utility Muffin Labs, those guys are really awesome, um, and uh, definitely go check out what they're uh, doing with their podcast these days. And of course, uh, World of Dark Ages uh, podcast, check them out. Uh, and of course, uh, we've got the the creator right here. So if you're wondering what he does <laughs> and how did you get here. Um, <laughs> And, uh, of course, uh, we're uh, planning on um, having some talks with the people that make uh, um, Mage the podcast. So check those guys out, and hopefully we'll be having um, them on here soon. Um, if you enjoy what we're doing here, go ahead and follow us or like us on all the different platforms that we're on. We're on Twitch, YouTube instagram which is just filled with all my kittens so if you like kitten pics <laughs> that's uh instagram twitter um you know if you want to know when our show is is going i guess <laughs> i don't know how to use twitter so um and uh mike uh do you want to talk about our uh techno gate game before yeah, we you, uh wrap you want to read this uh want me to read this part yeah okay let me put on my radio voice <laughs> Don't forget to tune in to our Mage the Ascension game, Technogate, on Monday nights at 7 p.m. Central on Twitch at twitch.tv slash goldenagestories. And remember, that's Goldan spelled G-U-L-D-A-N. And what do we have planned for the pod next week, Josh? Um, so next week we'll be talking with uh, Terry Robinson um, about uh, uh, Mage the podcast and hopefully getting a whole bunch of... Uh, discussions about mage because uh i i love talking paradigm and the universe and how how other how people see it and how they play mage uh, i've i've always found mage to be one of those games that uh, every gm is going to be very different and everybody's point of view on mage is a very different yeah and i'm i'm, I'm kind of nervous because uh i listen to that podcast and uh they are so much smarter than than me <laughs> And me. So much better at this. <laughs> so I think Terry is just doing the rounds of, uh, yeah, I'll go on everybody's podcast. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, I guess I guess we caught his attention a little bit with our Technogate uh, game. Um, hey, nobody else is doing a good technocracy game, so. I don't know if we're doing a good I'll, technocracy. I'll, but <laughs> I'll get him on when we talk Doc Ages Mage. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you uh, so much, uh, Jakob, for uh, coming on, and uh, this has been really awesome, and um, stay tuned, uh, or if you want to hang out a little bit afterwards, we might uh, hang out a little afterwards. Yeah, a uh, li little bit, and then I, I I have to head to bed, because it's uh, almost midnight here, so... Uh, oh, yes. But yes. I... <laughs> uh, like I said, I'm in training for next Sunday, where I have to stay up really late. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Super Bowl. Yes. 
All right, well, thank you so much, all. This is uh, Frozen Fallout signing off. And this is Motorori. Good night. Farewell. <laughs>